0: From Olympic City and the home of Pike's Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show. Oh yeah, here we are rocking it on the Automotive ADHD Show, heard around the world as a podcast, and on the radio in Southern Colorado. My name is Matt West. I am here today, of course, to talk about cars. Man, we got a loaded show today. We're going to talk about how Ford has patented a system that will allow them to make cars that repossess themselves this this is scary stuff we 're talking about uh, also g m proves that the small block Chevy is alive and well with a new six point six liter crate engine that you can buy, which is cool. I like that um, also in the um, in the fourth half of the show, uh, yes, we have. There's, there's four of them now. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, OBD1 Kenobi, friend of the show, mechanic Brian, is going to join me on the show to answer a listener-submitted question and talk about what is the best flavor of boost, supercharger or turbocharger. So we're going to get him on the show. We're going to get a mechanic and tuner's perspective on that. I um, will tell you, spoilers, my opinion is they're both awesome. It's, that's an easy one. Just do them both. <laughs> anyway, so um, we're going to talk about that. We're going to play your car sounds on this edition of the show. And we have a special announcement for the car sound of the month winner. And it's not just one winner this time. So you'll hear more about that as well. So we're going to get to all of that. Now, before I do, here's a brief note of housekeeping. Uh, I'm reworking the format of the show slightly. Uh, to better accommodate my radio show, as you know, and as many people listen to this around the world on the podcast, uh, obviously it is a podcast, but it is also a radio show. And typically what I've been doing, and and why I'm telling you this is because you're my listeners, uh, you you make the show, you're the most important part of the show, so I want to keep you in the loop, Um, but... I largely do the radio show separate uh, from the podcast. Two separate entities, largely with the same topics. I do it a little bit differently between them. I'm able to go a little more in-depth on the podcast versus... Um, on the radio show, I can keep it a little more local. I can do a few other things that way. There's benefits to both of them, but that being said, I need to streamline my work. My life has gotten absolutely crazy. Just look at all the stupid projects here in the garage behind me. Yes. Yeah. It's, (laughs) it's gotten nutty. So what we're going to do is we're going to do the show in four segments now, instead of three, and that allows it to follow the schedule of the radio show correctly. And, um, Basically, it means I only have to do the show once, which I love doing it. Tw- <laughs> I, I could do it twice for you every day, but that's uh, the gist of that. So that's a quick programming note. You'll notice that we are going to include some new breaks. I have sent voice work to my voice guy, so we're going we're gonna to freshen up the breaks. That's not this episode, but there's some new stuff coming and some new special announcements in that as well. So you got ska- to stay tuned. So anyway, uh, before we also get to some of our other fantastic topics today, I have to share a personal story. And there, let me, let me preface this by mentioning on the website Reddit, which you may be familiar with Reddit. If you're not, it's a website where you can have different forms and people can discuss different topics, you know, very specific things. Well, there is a subreddit known as, uh, it, it's called, am I the a-hole? Uh, and, <laughs> and it's where people post their woes, uh, and their problems in the world onto the thread in hopes that random strangers on the internet will provide them some sort of sense of mass validation that they are, in fact, not the a-holes in whatever the situation is that they are in. Um, so anyway, I have a submission for that. Let's talk about it. Um, I, was getting, I was getting groceries in the Tacoma, which is like my single nice, in air quotes, car. <laughs> I say nice. It's the one that runs every day and drives every day. And usually I can count on it to do that. Now, it is a relatively modern Toyota. Um, and it has this thing that when you push the key fob, it's also the only car I have that has like a remote key. Like you could push a button and it unlocks it. Mind-blowing, right? I know. Uh, but it has this feature. You you unlock it or you lock it and it beeps. The, the truck will beep. And, you know, a lot of cars will honk the horn when you lock it. Well, this truck... Uh, in a lot of Toyota products, it beeps. It'll go beep when you lock it or beep, beep when you unlock it. And I I was in the parking lot getting groceries. There was a snowstorm coming in. It was starting starting to snow. Visibility was pretty low. And a couple cars parked away from me was someone else who also owned a Toyota product of the same vintage, which also has the same beep. It's the exact same sounding beep when they push, push their key fob. So I, was, I had my bag of groceries. I was walking up to the truck. I threw them in the bed, and I hadn't unlocked the cab yet. And I heard what I thought was my truck beep. Well, in reality, it was the car a couple rows down from me that was beeping. And I swear, it sounded like it was right next to me. So not letting a good opportunity go to waste, I, um, I clicked my, my key fob to make the truck beep. And I heard the guy a couple cars down go, That's weird. I thought I just heard it beep twice. Like, beep again. And I was like, oh, oh no, this is, this is going to get good. So he pushes his key fob, and his car goes, beep, beep. And then I reply with mine, beep, beep. And then I can hear him again. He must be talking to his wife or whoever's walking with him. He goes, that's really weird. I heard it do it again. <laughs> so he goes, beep, beep, beep. He starts clicking it, like, several times. It beeps several times. And um, then it doesn't do anything. And then I wait. So his, his beeps, like, four or five times. I wait for a pause, and then I click mine again. beep. Beep. <laughs> And he goes, what the heck? That's weird. Now, clearly, I don't know if it was because of the positioning of the cars or the snowstorm. Um, he couldn't clearly see the flashing lights on my truck that flash whenever you unlock and unlock it. Um, but oh my gosh, I confused this poor man and, um, and it made my day. It absolutely made <laughs> my day. Who knows? The guy might've taken his car to the dealership at this point and complained that, yeah, it's, doing it's beeping when it shouldn't be beeping it why is it doing that and uh, I have I've irreparably ruined his car for him and um does that does that make me the a-hole in this in this reddit discussion that I I think I'll post up there yes it does absolutely a hundred percent and yes that is the sort of person your host is that I gleaned entertainment from this at this man's expense um, and for the record, it was it was really funny. I was just chuckling to myself while I was messing with this guy. So uh, have you ever done that? Have you ever, like, with cars that make a beeping noise or have the same horn? I don't know. I feel like at some point we all have to do that. <laughs> it's going to come back around to me. I, I know. That's how the world works. It's going to come back around to me. Um, but, hey, on the bright side, at least Toyota is not charging a subscription to use the key fob still. That was an issue last year that they were going to move to a subscription model. If you had the key fob, you got to pay however many dollars a month just to use the remote key fob. Good thing that Toyota got some sense knocked into them and they decided not to do that because this practical joke I played um, would be a lot more expensive uh, at my expense rather than the other guy's expense. And then it's just not fun that way. So, (laughs) oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Anyway, really good stuff right there. Um, Now, hey, another topic I want to get to here in the first segment of the show uh, is car flipping. Uh, I have come out on the show before and I have been a massive, uh, I, have been massively against car flippers. I think that there is a, uh, anytime a car flipper dies an angel gets their wings, much like this, the same thing applies to car brokers usually too. But in this case, we're talking about flippers. Now I will buy a car and maybe flip it. And my friends are shaking their heads. Like, yeah, you suck at selling cars. You just buy them. I know, I know I collect them, but, uh, that being said, Um, I, okay. I'm not talking about the mechanic who, you know, you know, shade tree mechanic. That might be you. You buy a car, you fix it up, you flip it for some money. I'm talking about the guys who have way too much money for their own good. They go out and they buy a new car that they then, um, list for substantially more than MSRP, even though it is a brand new car. Now we saw this heavily during the COVID-19 pandemic and all the, um, all of the uh, challenges that presented to the automotive industry. We saw this a lot. Um, But uh, we have been seeing this. This is starting to happen, obviously, with any time a cool car comes out. The C8 Corvette, when that came out, you know, yes, there's limited production. They're just making them. They're brand new. They're not really on dealer floors yet. So it takes time to get them out and get them out in numbers. So people buy the first ones. I want to say, I have the first one, the first couple of these cars, and I'll sell them to you for Twice the MSRP, and some for some godforsaken reason, people are totally okay with pay- paying sometimes as much as double the MSRP for this stuff, and it's ridiculous. It's nuts. I've talked about it on the show. Longtime listeners know my stance on this. Um, now, what happened recently is a person bought a uh, couple of different cars, and there was a couple of different auction li- listings for these. Um, and this uh, comes from a hat tip uh Joel Stockdale uh from Autoblog and uh and, and so they noticed at Autoblog that someone there were a couple auction listings up for sale and that someone bought a uh Toyota GR Corolla that is the new one that's cool it's the the coolest Corolla hatchback it's sporty um and it's a it's just like the coolest of it's like the rally inspired Corolla it's honestly very cool uh definitely going to be a future classic but someone bought one you know that being the new car it being a hot car to buy and uh, then they paid over MSRP for it, firstly. And then it goes up to auction for no reserve, and it's, uh, <laughs> well, here's the thing. Uh, they paid a-, a undisclosed large sum of money for this car, goes to auction, and it sells for $48,000, which, yeah, is $8,000 more than MSRP, but apparently much less than this car flipper. They didn't really make a good flip because they didn't make any money on it. Then they paid. Another one uh, in, this, uh, in this instance was a Civic Type R. Now, the Civic Type R and the GR Corolla have a really comparable audience. I, if I was buying a GR Corolla, I would definitely cross shop it with the Civic Type R. And uh, now here is a, uh, another thing. And the way we know how much these people paid for these cars is usually because they have the window sticker to go with it. Um, they still have the dealer window stickers. So another guy bought a Civic Type R And it was purchased, uh, MSRP on the car, $44,385. It was purchased for $67,678. Yeah, $67,678. That's 67 grand for a Civic. Yeah, it's a Type R Civic, but it's a a Civic. Come on, come on, okay? Um, And then it goes up for auction. The final bid, guess what? $49,000. That's uh, pretty far from, uh, you know, $67,000. $67,000. Whoever had this clearly lost some money. And I'm here to say, good riddance. This is the sort of thing that we need. We need car flippers to to just, who buy these new cars and do this stuff. They need to just not do this stuff. That's just how this, this needs to happen. So uh, the fact that car flippers who are doing this are losing money is good for the entire market, and I think that it will um, ultimately help the level, it'll help level out the market to some degree at least. So Anyway, um, I think that's, a, in a weird way, a good thing. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to lose the money, but yeah, I think it's for the better. Now, hey, coming up, we got a lot of other stuff to talk about. That's right here.
1: And now for how things work with an engineer.
0: CVT transmissions.
1: And that was how things work with an engineer. For more of how things work, go to patreon.com slash throttle warrior. <laughs>
0: All right, here we are rocking it for the second segment here on the Automotive ADHD Show. Hey, remember, you can give this show a rating on Spotify. Give it five stars. No, wait, six stars. Blow it up. Make them add an entire new star just for this show. And uh, a good chunk of people have given it a five-star rating up until this point. And I have, for, for that, I have to say uh, thank you. And it is a tragedy that they do not let you do six stars on it. So I can do nothing. Spotify is in control here. Now, by the way, those car sounds were from Josh Maldonado. That is one. That is a car sound I have exhumed from the vault. I played it the other week, too, just because I enjoy it. I truly enjoy all of the car sounds that you send into the show. Now, regular listeners of the show knows they, they know how this works. You you can send in your car sounds, and then I play them between the breaks here on the show, and it's a lot of fun. Then you get to tell your friends, hey, my car was on the radio. How cool is that? And on this podcast that some people have heard of, like maybe two people. So uh, anyway, you can do that. Now, I normally at this point would announce the winner, of the giveaway now typically the giveaway winner wins the automotive adhd keychain i've got one handy right here if you're watching on video youtube and rumble you can see me holding it up to the camera there this one's a little greasy it's like covered in oil and stuff it's it's like actually one that i use you you would get a new one in all fairness this is on my actual keychain and yeah it's nasty now uh but that being said you win one of those you win the automotive adhd sticker as seen on the back of my uh laptop here on camera And you win a $25 gift certificate to an auto parts store. You know, every drop in the bucket helps when you are working on cars. It absolutely does. So with that, though, I'm changing it up a little bit for this month. So instead of announcing a single winner, what I'm going to do is anybody who sends me a car sound in the month of, it is now March, anyone who sends me a car sound in the month of March will automatically get a sticker. And then at the end of the month, I will announce... Another giveaway for the whole shebang: the keychain, the gift card, and the sticker. Uh, now, obviously, if you already win, you get a sticker just by sending it in. Then you get the keychain and the gift card on top of that. So I will announce that at the end of the month instead of now. But here's the cool thing: if you have sent in car sounds, you go, "Hey man, I sent in a car sound like a month ago, two months ago, and I really want a sticker." Just go ahead and uh, private message me on um, on Facebook on the Facebook page facebookcom ADHD. Go ahead, do that and then you could win, or I will actually just not, not, not that you could win. It's just, I will send you, um, a uh, sticker. So, uh, you should, you should do that. So if you've sent in car sounds before and you didn't get, you didn't win the giveaway that month or whatever, and you want a sticker, just message me. It's a little difficult for me to go back and just automatically send it to everyone who sent in a car sound logistically. That's a little tough for me. So if you want one, you got to send me the message because I also need your address to mail it to you. But, um, yeah you can do that. I have a lot of stickers. I want to give them away. Also send in more card sounds. I need more of them. So uh, there you go and I will say for the tentative time being that this uh this will be valid for the month of March, and if people are really enjoying it at the end of March, you know what We might keep doing it. So you just have to um, you have to stay tuned for that. uh Now, I also want to talk about here uh before we get into some of the other topics on the show. we're going to talk about uh Ford. Uh, making cars that can repossess themselves <laughs> possessed cars. Well, repossessed cars, it's, uh, it's not quite a spiritual thing or anything. They're just repossessed cars. Uh, and we're also going to talk a little bit about Chevy's new crate engine and some other stuff. OBD1 Kenobi is coming onto the show here. Uh, but this is something fun that I have discovered that I have been doing wrong my entire life. My entire life working on cars. The second I was but a... Child freshly born working on cars. Uh, no, I, I, I'm not that cool. I wasn't working on cars <laughs> right when I was born. I'd like to think I was though. Uh, so you know how on when you change your oil, if you do it at home, you get the oil change. You know, you or you get the uh, the bottles of oil. You get the individual quarts of oil, right? A lot of us change our own oil, myself included. I don't see any reason to pay a shop, however many dollars. I, it's I don't even know how much they charge. That's because I, I don't even get my oil changed the chops. That's that goes to show. Um, but you notice how oil court bottles have a weird shape to them. The spigot is not located in the middle, the center section of the bottle. It's not located in the middle of the top. No, it's offset to one side. Uh, and I'm clearly slacking here. I'm doing the show on video and I don't have an oil bottle that I can show you. There's probably one in the trash can over there, but anyway, um, There's a reason for that. And the reason is to actually help you pour the oil. And some guys might go, oh my God, this is basic. I've known this for years. Well, the fact is I'm a car guy and I have, and I've even seen people who work on cars for a living who go, oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. (laughs) So this is why I'm here to talk about it because there is a trick and you are probably pouring your oil wrong because what happens, the reason the spigot on the bottle is offset is So that it doesn't, when you turn the bottle a certain way and pour it, it doesn't glug. It doesn't, you know, glug, 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 glug and splash the oil around and make it really hard to get it into the, um, uh, into the oil fill area, um, through your valve cover. And so what you do instead of having your, uh, instead of pouring it with the, the normal section closest to the, the section of the spigot closest to your oil fill cap, Right. We all want to make sure we do it as close as possible so we don't spill anything. Well, when you do that, it's going to glug. So you actually flip the bottle around so that the spigot part is centered towards the top, meaning that that slanted section where it's uh, coming from, from the bottom of the spigot slants downwards now. You basically take your oil bottle and you do a 180 with it and then you pour it. And because of the way the bottle's designed, it doesn't glug. It just pours smoothly. This is mind-blowing stuff. I mean, this really is. Uh, you know, this is a revelation uh, that, we have, that I, I have come to. And I have to give a hat tip to um, uh, Tom McBarland from uh, Jalopnik for this one. I, didn't, I had no idea. I, I truly didn't. I go, huh, that's interesting. Because you know what I do is I just take the cap off and I take the whole bottle and really quickly just dump it upside down and stick it into the fill cap in the valve cover, and then I just leave it there. That's how I do it. I don't actually like use a funnel and pour it. No, no, I don't do that. So I, this, this was completely off my radar, completely mind blown with this revelation. So basically again, the gist of this, take your oil bottle, flip it around. Don't actually flip it upside down. Cause you'd spill all the oil out if you did that, but flip it, twist it around and then pour it that way so that the, the spigot's on the top section of the bottle. Uh, Mind-blowing. I know, crazy, crazy crazy stuff. Who who would have thought? So there you go. Hopefully that little piece of advice helps you out in some way, or you just do what I do and just spill it all over anything anyway, and it doesn't matter, and it's a, yeah, that's, that's what I do. So anyway, coming up, we're gonna talk about Ford's repossessed cars. That's right here after the break.
1: Did you know there's a rare but serious condition affecting one out of every million? Most are born with it, and despite decades of research, doctors struggle to find a cure. The truth is, thousands of people simply don't know what cars are. For those affected, things are grim, but recent developments show promising success. New clinical trials using breakthrough audio technology have shown a 69% improvement in patients with the most severe symptoms. Treatments vary, but one day we may see a cure. More information is available at ThrottleWarrior.com
0: all right another car sound from the vault that is aaron with his uh 240 by the way absolutely shredding it and uh, having a good time doing that at a wedding, by the way, which is the correct time to do donuts and all of the above. That is just part of the wedding ceremony, and uh, that should be incorporated into all wedding ceremonies. So, yeah, I'm just having fun. I'm going through the vault here with these car sounds. You have sent me so many over the past year that uh, I think some old ones deserve some new airtime again, and uh, it's it's just a lot of fun. And also, you should send me your car sounds. <laughs> Facebook.com slash AutomotiveADHD is where you send it. There is a pinned post on the top of the page, it stays up top. You click on that, you click on the comments, and then you could put your uh, car sound in there. Or you can also send me a message on the Facebook page with that as well. Either or, it's up to you. So um, that, is, uh, that is really good stuff. I love playing those car sounds. Keep them coming. Now, I have to talk about Chevrolet and General Motors, to be specific. Because, you know, GM, I gave GM a little bit of grief last week with um, uh, how how heavy they advertised the ev stuff during their big game ads um you know during that that football game of significance uh and it was all ev stuff and yeah will farrell was in it so that was cool and he also got eaten by zombies at the end so that was also um somewhat entertaining <laughs> as well and in an ev no less uh but uh that said there are some people working at general motors who still have gasoline in their blood they still have what it takes to make cool engines and do really cool things with them. And uh and and not electric car things. We're talking just gigantic throbbing V8 noises and I love that. That is just too good, too excellent. Um so, what they've done is they now have a new crate engine that you can buy direct from Chevrolet. It is called the Chevrolet L8T, not LT1, LT8, no, 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 L8T. And not really sure why they named it that, but, you know, who cares? They made the engine. They can do whatever they want with it. They can name it whatever they want. Um, And it's, um, what they did is they developed it to be in the, uh, you know, between the frame rails on the new Silverado 2500 HD and 3500 HD trucks. So this is a truck engine. uh, Hence the big displacement, 6.6 liters. It's a torquey boy. That's what it does. And uh, it's a naturally aspirated V8 it's another line of the small block Chevy, yeah, LS gang. Let's go. Um, and uh, it has, like I said, six point six liters. That's four hundred and three cubic inches. Um, and uh, clarify cubic inches. I, I think is the correct measurement here. Liters sounds uh, a little too European. We're talking about V eights here. It's 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 cubic inches. It's the bigger number too. Um, so anyway, uh, but it's four hundred and three cubic inches, and it is very, very cool. And again, it makes a lot of torque. So it's naturally aspirated. It makes 401 horsepower because 400 wasn't good enough. So it's 401, which isn't a ton. It's got a red line of 5,200 RPM. Not that high, but it makes a whopping uh, 464 pound feet of torque, way down at 4,000 RPM. Like it's right there. Mid-range torque. Gotta love that. And, um, And here's the thing that, uh, or the red line rather is 5,600 RPM. I should clarify. Uh, it makes 401 horsepower at 5,200 RPM. And uh, that said though, I mean, this is why people make different cams and all sorts of stuff for LS I mean, LS to the moon, you can do anything with an LS. And the good news is this is an LS platform engine still. And that means all your cool LS stuff works. Um, so all your regular LS, um, uh, intake manifolds work with this thing. Um, they also dropped, here's the here's the weird thing, right? They dropped the compression from the LT1 engine, not the L1T, but LT1. I know the, the engine naming is weird here, but they dropped that compression. They dropped it from 11.5 to 1 uh, to 10.8 to 1 in an effort to make it run 87 octane fuel. That's all good. You might say, well, but the LT1's higher compression. It's higher power. It's uh, higher red line. It's, it's a sports car engine. Well, yeah, that's the point. This is a truck engine. Not only that, here's the good thing with it being a truck engine, because it is still an iron block V8 instead of an aluminum block, which aluminum blocks are good for weight. Iron blocks, though, are good if you are just going to absolutely stuff as much boost as you can get into those cylinders, into those <laughs> into those chambers. If you're going to put as much boost as you can into there, this is what you need. And by the way, the fact that it has uh, 10, 8 to 1 compression instead of eleven five 5 to 1 compression, well, that's a good thing, especially if you're buying this with the plan of putting a uh, big old supercharger on it, or two big old superchargers, or uh, uh, well, you could do two big superchargers. I know someone who's doing that. Uh, but I meant to say turbochargers there. A little little Freudian slip there, but yeah, two two turbos, you know, one on each side. Yeah, sometimes you want a little lower compression ratio when you're running boosted. It actually makes things level out and work a little better with high levels of boost. So this actually, what General Motors has done is they have made a, quote, air quotes. If you watching the video, you can see the air quotes. They've made an air quotes truck engine. What they've really done is make an engine that is ready for boost. That is what they've done. 6.6 liters plus boost. Imagine that. And you could just order it from Chevy's parts catalog, which is absolutely cool. Anyway, that's good. Now, another thing I got to get to here, another topic. Ford is, we're, we're going from General Motors to Ford, two ends of the spectrum. Ford has filed a patent. Oh boy, this is a patent. So, and what a patent it is, because what they have done is um, they have made, and they, this, they're not saying they're going to make this or that they're going to sell it. It's just, it's the patent right now. But what they are saying is that they have uh, it's quoted as it's being titled as quote systems and methods to repossess a vehicle and that is what it was uh, listed as as the patent and it goes on to say um, that it quote can disable a functionality of one or more components of the vehicle remotely and that includes things from the engine to more pedantic stuff, like maybe the air conditioning or the heater or something like that. They say it can also, quote, move the vehicle. If the vehicle is equipped with um uh partial self-driving or anything like that, they say, quote, it can move the vehicle from a first spot to a second spot that is more convenient for a tow truck to tow the vehicle, move the vehicle away from the premise of the owner to a location such as, for example, the premise of a repossession agency, end quote. So, um... Basically, and what they have in their patent, they have a nice little diagram that shows the lending institution communicates to Ford server, Ford server communicates to the car, and then the car drives itself out of your driveway and to the repo guy. And now, the obvious thing here is pay your car payment and this won't be a problem, but I I have some other th- issues with this. I have some I think there are inherently some uh some issues with uh, privacy and security of this, and uh, part of this is—I mean, this is the dystopian future of self-driving cars in many ways. And you know, look at it this way: again, you know, you might say, "Well, I pay my car payment; this isn't going to matter." Well, what if the lending institution? What if your bank errantly? What if they make a mistake? What if they make a mistake? Ping, ping, server—the servers at Ford—and then your truck drives away. And you don't have it when you need it. And what if you need it in a, in an emergency? What if all these different things? They go, oh, sorry, that was a mistake. Uh, here's your truck back. Well, it doesn't matter. They deprived you of your truck without due cause, without due you know, without without going through the due process uh, for this. So uh, now that's a far fetched scenario, but it's one that it is technically possible, and you have to consider that when you look at the you know ethics of systems like this and. Um, And I think it's really spooky. I think it's really spooky that Ford is doing this personally. I think it's very strange. And I mean, I'm not even a fan of cars that do over-the-air updates by themselves. Like, I mean, really, I I don't want the auto manufacturer... Once I buy the car, I want the auto manufacturer to do nothing with it except for when I take it to the dealer. And seeing as how I don't buy cars from dealerships or cars that the dealer ever wants to see, that's not usually an issue for me. But if I did... Uh, the only time I want the manufacturer doing something to it is if I take it to them, and and that's just when you look at the car. Even if you have a loan on it, and you know, say you're paying the loan, yes, your bank you have a lien against it, but for all practical purposes, you know, and for the use of it, you are still as the owner entitled to the use of the vehicle. And uh, you know, again, I was it's like, yeah, sure, as long as you're paying your payment. But I still think that that's there's too much room for interpretation here. There's too much room for error. Here as well, that could affect uh, otherwise, you know, law-abiding regular people and people who are abiding by the contract of their their lien or whatever. You know, I think there's there's a little too much uh, here that you could that could go wrong. But here's where it gets even nuttier because um, if the lending institution who has the lien on the vehicle decides that the vehicle is not actually worth the money to go out of their way and have the repossession agency repossess it, have it drive itself to the repossession agency. If they say this car is a pile, it's not worth their time, and they're just going to get a couple hundred bucks out of it to try to fulfill some part of the loan or whatever. Um, They say that the vehicle can even be programmed to drive itself to the junkyard. Imagine a future where when your car just becomes so cheap and decrepit that it just drives itself to the junkyard. You know... Some people might say that would be a good thing for me because I kind of have this habit of hoarding cars that cost you know, pennies on the dollar, but um, imagine that. Your car could just decide one day it's not worth enough money and drive itself to the junkyard. Now, that said, if it's capable of driving itself to the junkyard, um, it's probably in good shape still. I would hope it's in good shape. I don't even want to know what's going to happen 10, 15 years down the line when we have these semi-autonomous vehicles that just... um, uh, that, that are now wearing and tearing that are now in states of disrepair. Uh, how are these autonomous vehicles going to behave when they haven't been maintained very well? Um, because that's going to happen. I mean, that's just going to happen. You, you're not going to expect this car to be in perfect mechanical condition for its entire existence. Um, so that's a, that's a topic we may, um, we may tackle on another, on another show, just, uh, just kind of a, uh, you know, it is just sort of a thought experiment what would happen you know um so anyway we've you know what we've got a lot of other stuff to get to here there's so much more that i have on the show here and um and we've got obd1 kenobi mechanic brian he is going to be joining me uh coming up here in the now fourth half of the show i'm getting used to the whole new four segments thing we're getting we're getting there brian's gonna join me here we're gonna tackle a listener question right now after this break. Don't go anywhere.
1: At the Speed Council, getting things done fast is our priority. We do everything fast, from driving, working, sleeping, and eating.
0: Someone help, he's choking!
1: This is Tim. Hello. And by the time this ad is over, he'll have bicycled across the earth 69 times. Nice. Even if our name sounds unfamiliar, you know our work. F1? Pfft. Child's play. The world's first supersonic jet? Yep, That was us. F1. Apollo 11? Also us. The fastest animal in the sea? Hell, we even wrote the Wikipedia article. Fast. And we're so dedicated to speed that we've genetically engineered the world's first hyperspeed speed machine. With this scientific breakthrough, you can interact with and download your favorite automotive podcast a whole day early. How's that for fast? Learn more at Facebook.com slash ADHD. This message approved by the Speed Council and the Church of Fast Things.
0: Praying <laughs> for life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Here we are on the fourth segment of the Automotive ADHD show. It's right here. As a podcast on the radio as well. And now on video, YouTube, and Rumble, you can see the show for better or for worse. And uh, sitting alongside me right now is a ASE certified technician. He does performance tuning. He's an automotive degenerate. Some know him as the wise one. The rest of us know him as OBD1 Kenobi or Brian. Brian is fine too. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. <laughs> hey hey hey! so um if you're watching on video you can actually see him sitting next to me and we can get like this is so aw- unusual to be we, on camera right can, now we can get awkwardly close to each other oh um but brian is joining me on the show because um i have dragged him onto the show without really his consent and um, i knew
2: about 15 minutes ago i think yeah i was gonna be on camera yeah
0: so uh but here you are and uh, wearing a shirt that is fitting of that too what, what does your shirt say here I may be wrong, but I doubt it. But I doubt it, it says. Yep, yep. So uh, what we're going to do is we are going to address a listener-submitted question. Um, Tane from Australia, uh, and hopefully hopefully, I'm getting your name pronounced right on that one, but Tane asks, um, he says that he is working on a special build, and, um, and what he wants to know here is uh, he says he's currently building A whole, I'm assuming it's a Holden, F-E Holden, I'm assuming that's a Holden, but he says he is building a car as a bonding experience with his grandpa and his father, and he wants to know my opinion, and I have dragged Brian into this as well. Yes, he he wants to, he's already making the noises, you know what this is going to do, right? Um, So he wants to know, essentially, on this build with his father and his grandfather, should he go A spinny stututu boy, as he says, or a whiny box supercharger. So the question is turbo or supercharger. Brian, what do you think? Supercharger. Supercharger? That might have been a reason why I played Devin's supercharged car noises in the beginning of this You already knew I was going to be biased on this. You already knew. So, okay. Why supercharger then over turbo? It's definitely more
2: expensive, but I'll tell you there's going to be less hassle with it. This, this is an
0: LS car, isn't it? I, a Holden, right? I, I'm assuming, yeah. I'm assuming, I'm it's, assuming LS it's a V8. So yeah, yeah this, should be,
2: this should be something that should be fairly easy to to do. Yeah. Especially over plumbing a turbocharger. It's way easier to tune. Okay. I'd say okay. the only thing that's hard about tuning a supercharger is um is with, uh, depending on where the throttle body is located, if it's before or after the supercharger, it can be a little bit difficult to get to wind back down mm-hmm. after a pull. But other than that, it's, it's
0: gravy. It's gravy. It's gravy, gravy. he says. It's, it's gravy. gravy. So what would be some benefits, though, um, of doing a turbocharger? Would there be any benefit in your eyes of doing a turbocharger? On maybe peak? peak? Peak output? Peak output? Yeah,
2: overall. Maybe. I mean, other than that, I, I would think the supercharger overall would be way funner. I've, I did not realize how much fun superchargers are until you get one. Till <laughs> you get one. The, Especially the, a, a, a bigger one. Not, not the factory stuff. Get get a big whipple, get something in the twos really or three did. liters of displacement,
0: and then come back and sit tell me how it how it is. Okay, okay. And I mean, you gotta love the supercharger noise, for one. The noise just is, is so good. Yeah, especially with with the V8 backing it. I'm surprised I didn't get a ticket in Devin's car. Oh yeah? I get yeah. a ticket
2: in every other car but Devin's car. <laughs> but now they say that I'm gonna get a ticket in Devin's car. Well,
0: mm-hmm. you can't because he's got a blown transmission right That's now. True. You can't. That's another great part about superchargers. I'm so much the torque, so yeah. much torque. The torque. Um, how much power was he putting down with that supercharger? So it was
2: an older generation Whipple um, bolt-on kit for a uh, 5.3 LS. I think it was for like an early Tahoe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's a side mount, non-intercooled. with It had water meth injection, but we weren't using it. Um, at the Dyno on E85 in my poor tune... <laughs> your, did, your tunes are great, by the it way. Did Don't
0: discount your tunes. Your tunes yeah. are awesome. It did 530 on a non intercooled supercharger without the nitrous. Without the nitrous. How much with the nitrous? I think it
2: was just under 600, but you have to realize that the numbers kept changing dramatically because the intake temps will rise super fast on a supercharger that's non intercooled. It, it's really crazy to see how much compressing air on the fly will change those IATs on, like, like that. We could be 40 degrees Celsius and make a pull, and you will climb to 80C over 100C very quickly.
0: Really? Really? Wow. So, And and so IAT's intake air temperature, that is really important when you're tuning. Why is that so so relevant? And I'm, I'm moving your mic here because it's like slowly. I'm, I'm not used no, to this. No, <laughs> it's, slowly, it's, it's slowly falling. It's not tight well, enough. So I do see you go. some tape here. Yeah, shush, 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 shush. Don't worry about the tape. <laughs> it's, they can't see it. <laughs> Um,
2: mostly with the pre-debt. I mean, for example, when we took it to the track and Devin had to do a burnout
0: session, which was amazing. Oh, yeah. And uh, let me clarify. Let me give you context. This car is a 240. Yeah, but not, a Volvo not, 240. Not an not a Nissan 240. It's not an S chassis. It's yeah. a Volvo no, it's a 240. Volvo 240. So it's, a, it's a brick. It is a brick. Yeah. it is a brick. Yeah. It is a refrigerator with wheels. And an LS. That's super and an turbo. LS. Yeah. It doesn't come with the LS, clarifying that. Yeah, to we'll work on that. Yeah.
2: But, um... At, when we did the, the burnout pit, um, I had to keep telling Devin, let off. We have to go. He was having way too much fun. But uh, what, what he didn't realize is that as I'm sitting there trying to hold on desperately to my laptop, his intake temps were climbing over 340 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. And the engine was cool. The engine, the coolant temperature was 96 Celsius. Yeah. Which is about operating. It did fine. But as you could tell, that is uh, way too hot for intake temps. <laughs> way too hot. I mean, that's we're getting close to the point where this engine's probably going to melt down.
0: Okay have, a, okay. have a have
2: a detonation. So event.
0: so it's important to have those intake temps, and it's important to have them down in the colder temperatures. That's why it's always better to have them down. And that's that's why you intercool normally and do all these different things. This was a non-intercooled supercharger. Mm-hmm. So for my listener here, for for Tane and his his build with his his father and his grandfather, you would recommend a supercharger over a turbo mm-hmm. and make sure it's an intercooled supercharger. If you can. I mean, it's not necessarily a must. Uh, we
2: did some things to get around the fact that we didn't have it intercooled to try and make some gains. First of all, we always did pulls at night. Yep. Uh, we had nitrous on it uh, going before and after the supercharger, which I don't know how much it actually helped, but we, did, we could see the intake temps kind of being held back by the nitrous being sprayed. And um, especially when winter hit, the car's power output changed dramatically. I mean, the temperature outside and the temperature in the intake basically justified how fast the car was. Wow. We did wow. 530 on the dyno without the nitrous, and we ended up breaking the car in the winter without the nitrous because it, it literally felt like it was going as fast, if not faster, without the nitrous in, the, in, those, in those cold temperatures than it did while
0: we were in the summertime with the nitrous. And we were doing 150 shot. Wow. Okay. Okay. So that is part of why his transmission is no more.
2: Yeah. Actually, um, second gear took, uh, you know, took its life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're at mid, the top. Mid, mid pull. At the top of the pull. Not even going into the gear, it let out. As he uh as he was about to get out of second gear. Wow. So wow. That's that's saying a lot because we were beating on it all all this last season.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ed, constant beating on this car. Um nonstop. We didn't, Several we didn't track really events, lose. <laughs> track events, burnout events, everything, all of the above. So again, my guest is Brian Conrad, OBD one Kenobi. He is a uh mechanic who has a shirt that says he is sometimes right. Sometimes. Uh, I need a shirt like that. I need a shirt that says I am occasionally right, but most of the time not, like the opposite of yours. More like we're just stubborn. Yeah, we're really stubborn. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So, hey, I want to thank you for joining me on the show. I also want to thank my listeners for listening to the show. I want to thank Tane for sending that comment in. Hopefully we answered it. We probably didn't answer your question at all, but there you go. No, no, we'd answer it. Supercharger. Supercharger all day. All of the torque all day. the tour, all the supercharger of course you can subscribe to this show where fine shows and hey this one are downloaded also check out the patreon the speedcouncil.org is where you find that and i'll see you right here same time same place next week